Hello my friends, in this episode of The Natural High, I speak to one of my oldest and dearest friends, Adam Law. We met sometime around World Cup 1998, and our friendship is still going strong almost a quarter of a century later. While the friendship remains, our life paths, ideals and tastes have changed considerably, not least our relatively newfound devotion to the plant-based diet. Today, Adam is an active campaigner for the vegan lifestyle. He's not only ethically opposed to the cruelty to animals, which still goes largely unchecked in the modern world, but he's seen remarkable health gains since he became a vegan. Prior to adopting this approach, he had serious long-term health issues with his digestive system. Since going plant-based, he no longer takes any pharmaceuticals for the condition. He was resigned to enduring prescribed medication for the rest of his life until he discovered that veganism was the perfect remedy. During this informal ramble, we discuss Edward Snowden and the pros and cons of the digital age. We take a foray through the pieces of content and culture that have taken our eyes since our last chat. And we also dedicate a big chunk of the podcast to our current dietary regimens. What supplements are key to good health in a plant-based diet? What other tools do you need to take the vegan path? And how can we move forward into a less cruel and more harmonious world where animals are friends and not food? He's a fascinating and eloquent chap who I'm delighted to have spoken to again at length. By the way, this is an unofficial part two to the original interview that I did with Adam earlier in the year, which goes into great detail about how he overcame debilitating illness through veganism. And you can check out that podcast by going to thenaturalhighclub.com forward slash veganism. And you can find out more about Adam and this podcast by going to thenaturalhighclub.com forward slash plant-based diet, all one word. Thank you as ever for your support and I truly hope that you do indeed enjoy the show. <sighs> the Natural High. Hi, Wordsmith. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, good. I'm Very say, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. The the sound quality seems a lot better than when we last did a, a Natural High podcast. A lot better. Yes, that was challenging. Hmm. And, I listened um, to the I listened to on. the pod today actually. Re-listen. Wow, good on you, mate. That's absolutely no. brilliant research. Because I'm basically going to go over so much stuff that I've already said. <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. I thought, it, yeah, I thought you did a great job, so thank you for that. You, you uh, did a great job. You did a great job. I, pre- no. I know there was loads of technical issues, and yeah, you, but you managed to use your editing skills and put something together that was, yeah, informative and interesting, I thought, and yeah, and didn't sound as bad as it did when we recorded it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I love the. I'm really up for spontaneity in general. I think that you get so much better quality when you have a spontaneous chat, you know. So the idea of recording, I listened to it, and the idea of recording it and then trying to do it again just depressed me because I thought it's going to lose its authenticity, you know. It'll be like rehearsed lines rather than, you know, just stuff from the heart. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, it wasn't... Um... Wasn't that bad, and yeah, yeah, you did a yeah, you did a good job. So I was I was a bit nervous listening back to it because I don't know. Although I do a lot of podcasts with you on football, that just talking about something different and having mm. to hear your own voice is always a bit of a cringe-worthy moment for me. But yeah, once you get over that, then yeah, 
it was good to go back to it and realise it wasn't wasn't that bad. Now the cats just uh, decided to start knocking over things. Yeah, the cat sounds just like like it's just come into the house drunk or something, <laughs> <laughs> wanting feeding. <laughs> yeah, she really hates me doing other things that don't involve her being the centre of attention. Oh my god, that is exactly what it's like with Riffraff. He comes and looks at me and gives me the guilty eyes as soon as you know, as soon as I start doing something for myself. <laughs> Like this, for example. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yes. I was hoping to just no, hoping well. to have a, you know just a general wide ranging and relaxed conversation, and we'll see what what comes out. Yeah, let's go for it. What have you been up to? Listening to natural high podcasts quite a lot no. of the time. <laughs> oh my god, you have really indulged over the last few days, haven't you? Catching up. Well, maybe the last maybe the last couple of weeks actually. I think maybe a week and a half. Uh, yeah, I had a bit of a backlog, but. I think I've just got maybe one left I haven't listened to. And which is, is it oh, East, Coast, um, East Coast Spiritualism, West Coast Wildfires? That, uh, yes, sorry, that one I've started, need to finish that, and then The Corporate Undertaker. Uh, which I think you'll find very interesting, actually. He's not the normal sort of person I have on The Natural High, but yeah, he has so many interesting stories to tell. And that's what it's about at the end of the day, you know, just like good stories. Yeah, oh God. No pressure. No pressure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, it wouldn't be British of me if I didn't ask you um, what the weather's like over there at the moment. Yeah, it's been been okay. Still a bit of a shock to be out of summer, although we're in October. Mm. I always find it a bit of a shock. Um, Do you find yeah, the summers bright, are lasting longer sort of... in England and that, that, you know, they're sort of getting later and later? I've no idea, really. I'm not a massive weather person, but I, yeah, I appreciate the sort of this season, you know, with the like clean blue skies and slight chill, but yeah, bright sun. I like that. I like that mm. weather. Beautiful. It is October's the hottest month in in San Francisco by and large. Is it? Yes. Is this is the summer? All through the summer, we have sort of fog and mist and stuff which comes over the hills, and you know, it's quite nice. It sort of protects you from the the um, intense sun, but yeah, it's, we have lots of foggy and misty days in San Francisco up until October, and then it just gets clear and incredibly hot. It's like it's thirty-two or thirty-three today, as it was yesterday. Wow! Mm. That also means nothing to me. I've never sort of been one to sort of really know about temperatures and what oh, wow. each one means. It's like baby wow. weights. If some, you know, I guess it's you know more to you. Someone to say, oh, how, how much does the baby weigh? And they're Give me some weight. It means nothing. I don't know. Is that big? Is that small? <laughs> yeah, it means nothing to me either. Well, it, it didn't until recently. I think it's sort of eight, nine pounds is, is average, just for your future reference for, for okay. a newborn. Yeah, I normally just say something vague. Oh, wow, that's good. Is <laughs> just looking, hoping they're you're not going to say that's terrible. <laughs> My biggest problem with, with young children, with infants and toddlers, is when I speak to their mums, sometimes I really freak out about the gender, you know. Am I going to put my foot in it by getting the gender wrong? That's my biggest fear. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I guess, you you know, you're going to be on the other side of that. So see what works best for you. I've been upskilling myself a lot over the last couple of months, actually, because we agonised as to whether to get a doula. Do you know what a doula is? No. Tell me. A- a doula is it's sort of like a midwife. It's somebody that assists, basically, before, during and after the um, the birth. Uh, and now, obviously, that is problematic during coronavirus because doulas aren't actually allowed to be 
you know, with you face to face during labor, which is what they regularly do. Um, they, they help you through the labor. But now it's sort of like, you know, remote virtual doula assistance. That's the that's the only service you can get, really. So we just thought, you know, just having somebody on Skype in the room with us, they can offer great information, I'm sure. But Dee's asked me to to become the doula. <laughs> so I've been doing loads and loads of baby research. But you're the dad, for God's sake. And the dad. <laughs> yeah, that supersedes the other role. Yeah, just definitely. Be, yeah, just, be a, just be a parent. But, you know, there are so many technicalities to childbirth, which I was completely naive to until I started doing the research. And, you know, there's so much to go through. There's, you know, the breathing exercises, the position, the cardinal movements of the baby. So they, they go through all these different transitions, all these different periods of the labour where they're in different parts of the body. And um, yeah, it's just so much to know. And like, you know, if you don't know about it and if you haven't got a doula, you can totally freak out. The other problem with uh, the American health system is, you know, the privatized health system is generally really good and you pay for it. You pay for that that privilege. But um, the problem is that one in three childbirths in America are cesarean section. So I think in, in England, it's something like one in seven, one in eight and, you know, even the American health system accepts that it's way too high in America. But I think one of the main reasons for it is because they like to have you scheduled in and scheduled out. They don't want people hanging around in the labor ward for days waiting to have their baby. So obviously with the cesarean section, you can actually schedule the exact time the baby is born. And so but 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 there are so many health benefits, apparent health benefits to having a vaginal birth. For example, when the baby goes through that part of the body, they pick up all these microbiomes and all this great sort of stuff which helps their immune system um, as their, you know, as children and consequently as they grow up. So it is better to have a natural birth like that. But yeah, they, they all apparently in America, they're really pushing you for cesareans at every every juncture. So we're quite wary of that because obviously we'd like to ideally you know do it without cesarean but yeah one in three is incredibly high i'm already so out of my depth so early in the interview <laughs> i was a couple of months ago but then we then then we got Dude, built never, to birth i've never even heard of that i do yeah. heard of that yeah it's a, it's a, but um, i know i know you are in a foreign land but yeah you've got a sister and a mum and yep. these family and loads of people have had babies so yeah use your use your network and you know, uh, yeah, I, I know you've had great practice with um, having a dog child last <laughs> last year. How, how long have you had him now? Seven years. Seven years. So you've had seven years of practice with the champion. So seven of the happiest years yeah, of my life. I think you can, yeah, just add a bit of discipline and then you've got all the love there. And I think you'll do a great job. You, you know both what? Do you, a great job. Oh, man, that's such a great point. You are so right. And I often remind myself about that. Like I'm doing all this crazy research and then thinking, God, I still there's still so much that I don't know. And then I remember that, you know, for thousands of years, women had children unassisted in caves. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So like, yeah, there, yeah, there were no epidurals or, you know, you know, different pharmaceuticals to assist the birth. You know, it was all done so naturally. And um, so, yeah, so I think it's going to be OK. I'm just going to have to learn to do some good breathing myself, I think. Yeah, it was a bit like, I don't know if it's a good example, but yeah, when, when doing yoga, as long as you're keeping alive with the breathing you know you're doing okay i think you can mm. be you can overcomplicate it mm. so yeah just breathe you got you got really into yoga for a while are you still doing any 
What is your health, what is your exercise regimen these days? Oh God! <laughs> um, Cut. <laughs> Let's go again. <laughs> so yeah, I want to get back into yoga, but yeah, I started off with hot yoga, and oh, you found it very, yeah really like classes actually to get in, and yeah, the hot room, and yeah, started with Bikram, and then just did other types of yoga, um, but yeah, preferred the class setting and the and the hot environment. It really helped me. But yeah, fell out of that habit, unfortunately, and um, always want to get back into it because I just know what, how good it is for me and how much I enjoy it. Mm. But yeah, so looking to start doing some self-practice at home because it's obviously not, not a great period to be going into sweaty <laughs> rooms with other people. It's probably the, the perfect breeding ground for like catching coronavirus. So that's not going to happen for a while. But yeah, I'm thinking of trying out the online, um, online yoga. And I've been recommended this app called Downward Dog, ah. and I tried a session on that, and yeah, it's pretty good. So that, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna push forward with that. I suppose the benefit of doing a group session, and even if you wanted to do a group yoga session now, you probably wouldn't be able to unless you're doing it outside. But the benefit for many people is that it pushes them beyond their comfort barrier, you know, so they have to keep going. Whereas if they're at home, they just give up. Whereas, but I, that's not a problem for you once you you know grasp a net or once you start on something you generally you know do it properly don't you yeah no but i'm quite competitive though so it does help to be around other people because yeah not competitive by nature or shouldn't be yeah you i tend to find i push myself more in class and yeah just the fact of turning up and doing something same with running like i prefer to run in in like in a race or a park run or something where other people are there so yeah something to be said about the community and yeah the sense of collective and being motivated by other people in in the same space doing what you're doing mm. have you found that your body has sort of improved over time from having an, an extended rest because you had problems with your knees in your or at least one of the knees yeah i've still got a bit of a dodgy knee um and yeah, I'm trying to manage it. I had an operation on it, and yeah, it started to niggle again. Unfortunately, but it's, I can sort of run on it and still do this. Just got back into doing badminton, but yes, yeah, niggling, and you know, I just like another scan on it really, just to see where I'm at because I don't know if it's a case of just managing it now or whether it just needs yeah correcting in some other way. But what was the initial problem yeah, again? Sh- I've forgotten now. It's such a long time ago. Um, it was 2016, and I had a, um, a tear to the meniscus. That's right. Yeah. Nasty. And do you think... Uh, is the inf- one. Is, there, is the information and research you've got that you should exercise with it to keep it supple or that you should just rest for a while? Mm, I don't know, but I just, yeah, use it without sort of battering it is the best way, yeah. so... Yeah, Moderation. low impacts better. Yeah, swimming or walking opposed to, yeah, doing half marathons on concrete. Um, and yeah, so low impact things. Yeah, yoga's great. And um, but yeah, it's a sh- yeah, it's a shame. But I suppose I'm 44 now, and I'm certainly not seeking retirement in my <laughs> my physical uh, endeavours, but. Yeah, it's it's managing it, but I would def I'd love to get back to running properly and yeah, 
not being compromised by the knee but yeah in other words yeah in everything else i mean in good fitness running is huge in america and i've just i'm all, i've always been a little bit apprehensive about the you know benefits because i just think that you know unless you're sort of running on soft ground then you can it can be quite sort of jarring for the body so i've never been a massive fan of running although i know it's good for your heart as well and stuff like that but i'm definitely more of a fan of stretching i think that you know in terms of being supple in the longer term and as you get older i think stretching is the one for me yeah i agree running is is bad for your knees but it's yeah has other other good things like the competitive side and the yeah being out in nature and yeah that's yeah beautiful. It's got a lot, yeah a lot a lot going for it but yeah i just I, ne- I, never seem, I never seem to be able to zone out when i'm doing running i never seem to be able to like you know just listen to what i'm li- ever listening to a podcast or music and and not think about the running i'm always thinking about the running every single stride so i, don't, I never really enjoy it yeah well i really enjoyed the park runs because it was sociable but and uh, yeah as competitive as you want it to be or as casual as you want it to be and um but yeah i, I get lost in the sort of fantasy <laughs> fantasy world of right you like running your own race but having your mini competitions in it to nice. sort of keep you motivated nice yeah the knees are buggers aren't they like i was listening to something yesterday a podcast yesterday about how the ankles are apparently the, the most susceptible parts of the body or, or the crucial parts of your body to keep um, fit. Because if your ankle goes, then, you know, you, you basically um, try and uh, compensate uh, for your, the problems with your ankles by moving the rest of your body in different ways. And so it can cause problems all over your body. But um, I, I also damaged my knee. I don't know if you remember when I was in Amsterdam, I was drunk in Amsterdam cycling along and crashed into a load of um, stationary bikes. Did, did I ever tell you that story? <laughs> It was a daily occurrence, wasn't it? <laughs> well, anyway, at the time, it just felt like a little bit, you know, a bit of a bruise. I could, there wasn't any swelling or anything like that. But literally, but even when I got to America in 2018, there were, it was still there were still issues with it. And even now, it's a little bit creaky. But I remember going to a yoga class in in um, in Los Angeles in 2018, and and it was still really painful at the time. Not really painful, but I was very unsupple because of it. Like my mobility was not good, and so you know, disaster when it comes to yoga and I went with this uh, friend to a yoga class and the and the yoga teacher told me never to come back <laughs> why because I was because I you know it was, it was an advanced yoga class and um and yeah and I was just you know making a fool of myself basically because I couldn't do the move the general even the basic movements that well and but instead of just you know sort of taking me to one side and asking me to you know if I was okay or you know how I can get over my knee problem she said don't come back to this class this is for advanced yoga people and you're clearly not advanced. <laughs> oh well, yeah, that's it's just rude. I don't know what I make of that, but yeah, because yoga, everyone's at the different level, and you would obviously they I've never been to an advanced class, but what I really like the class is is that yeah, is has all standards there, and everyone's at their own level, and yeah, that seems a bit mean. Of course, I mean, what, but typically you go to an advanced one. i was with a new friend basically and they were going to the advanced one so i just thought yeah i'd I'd get involved i was doing a bit of yoga at the time anyway um, going to various classes but this was a different level but i just thought that was just mean-spirited because you know even if i was you know terrible at it if if i wasn't making the shapes as she desired why kick me out (laughs) it's just rude yeah it's strange i don't know if you like we talk about delusions of grandeur um but 
I know it doesn't make any sense, but when I've ever entered a race, whatever the quality or some competition, uh, although I know I'm a sort of novice level, part of me always thinks, I'm going to win this. <laughs> or I can do it. <laughs> it's absurd. It makes no rational sense, but uh, I always have it in me. But so, that yeah, is I, what motivates you, isn't it? That sort of slightly competitive spirit is what pushes you on, what makes you get out of bed and do it. Mm. Yeah, and I even had a, I was having a boxing dream recently, and I was having to fight like uh, top, yeah, top professional, and I was just in sheer panic because I've never boxed before, and uh, yeah, obviously I'm not a fighter, but even in the dream I was sort of thinking, well, you know, maybe I should go through with it, and like thinking of various tactics rather than just getting into a car and like driving off in the opposite direction. <laughs> so it's a, stra- it's a strange, uh, yeah, strange quirk. Uh, I had a dream. I'm really going off on a tangent as I tend to do, but I had a dream last night and Richard King was in it, our friend Richard King. And then I woke up and the first thing I looked at in the newspapers was an article about the latest chaos that Boris Johnson's caused. And I thought, uh, Boris Johnson's like a sort of posh Richard King, don't you think? They're quite similar looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a similar sort of style, similar <laughs> gait. Both very, you know, both charming in their own way. But absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Characters, inimitable characters, both. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently slowly uh, packing my stuff because in on January the 1st, we've decided to uh, leave our current house, put all of our stuff in storage and go and live in some other places around California because we thought we'd take advantage of Dee having some time off work, um, you know, postnatal. Obviously, we've, we haven't done parenthood before, so this could be a terrible idea. But um, yeah, we just thought we'd go and get some pla- some a couple of little Airbnbs for the next four or five months um on the west coast of of california which um we're very excited about wow that's amazing and um daring and a bit crazy but do you think so yeah sounds exciting yeah i mean we're going to get places which are you know custom sort of perfect for for what we require we're going to get a garden for riff raff the dog for example so that he can just go and do his own thing we don't, we don't there's not as much pressure on walkies every day and you know just somewhere which is really convenient has all the you know all the functions and provisions for for the first few months of of uh, bringing up a baby yeah, I'm quite a home bird, I guess. So I would like the familiarity of mm. um, yeah the set place. But yeah, you're you're more adventurous, aren't you? You upped sticks and went to live in Spain, in Holland, and now America. So yep, yeah. Home is where the heart is for me. Uh, but um, I, we we've, our first place we're going to go to is Carmel, which is an absolutely stunning seaside location about an hour and a half south of San Francisco. And it's towards the Big Sur, which is a breathtakingly beautiful part of the world as well. Um, Carmel by the Sea is where the, the show um, Big Little Lies was shot. Did you ever see that? No. Have you heard of it? Maybe. Big Little Lies, Nicole Kidman, um, Reese Witherspoon. It's good. It's really good. It's about um, oppression of women, I suppose, is sort of one of the broader themes of it, one of the, one of the main themes of it. And, uh, it's really, uh, I'm a big fan of Nicole Kidman. I don't know about you. What, uh, what platform is it on? I think it's Netflix, but I can't be 100% sure. Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Again, it probably wouldn't be the top of my list of, of recommendations for you. Uh, it's probably maybe not your kind. It's a sort of it's a thriller, I I suppose. It's a sort of you know, who done it thriller. Mm. But it's well acted. 
uh, I'm a massive fan of Nicole Kidman. I, you know, there are there are a few actors who you will basically watch the show just because they're in it. She's definitely one of them. She's got a new series coming out uh, in the next um, few weeks. Actually, I can't remember what it's called. As usual, <laughs> so pretty useless reference. Yeah, I know. I would like this. Just seems to be so much content now, and I'm quite pleased that they've. Well, obviously not good for the industry, but like production is slowing down a bit because yeah. it just seems like so much to catch up on. I would just wouldn't mind if they said, "Look, just take five years out, and we made enough TV, enough films, and you know, give people a chance to catch up on on your box sets." Mm, it's very true very true is there anything that's grabbed your attention recently apart from podcasts what you're watching or reading um what i've seen recently watched a documentary on the challenger disaster on netflix challenger the final flight Mm -hmm. yeah and really yeah i really love that series mini series i guess and yeah you know um Netflix are really good at these style of documentaries, but it had that nostalgia and interest factor because, yeah, I remember being a school kid and and watching The Challenger and, yeah, it's how you remember things and how things actually, so, yeah, it it was, yeah, very good. Highly recommend it. I'm getting much more into docos these days. I'd I'd happily sit in front of a doco instead of, you know, some fiction-based stuff. Uh, And Dee's doing this Miss Masters in transformational leadership now and she's just coming back with so many great documentary references two of which i mentioned to you last week hyper normalization have you seen that yet no it's very much for you Adam. that's definitely definitely should go on your list hyper normalization is brilliant and um the century of the self as well which i don't think that wasn't a list actually i've been been aware of that for a few years but they're both excellent fascinating documentaries absolute must watches because you know when people ask me what they're about i'd say they're about everything they are literally about the world in which we live and the way the world works the systems of government systems of rule um just absolutely fantastic and the century of the self is all about um how demand was created how the the beginning of consumerism i suppose post second world war yeah, sounds good. Well, I've written them both down. Yeah, and I'm, I'm loving the yeah the factual stuff. It's, it seems to be more of interest to me these days rather than the yeah the fiction. Um, but just see the, the yeah the quality and the availability of these documentaries and limited you know limited series as well. But so yeah, but you use it a lot in your podcast. But the deep dive, I really mm. love the Last Dance and it just co- covering one season, but. It goes back and forth in time, yeah. and yeah, it, it's in no rush, is it? And you just get to, yeah, it's fascinating the depth and the detail you can go into over something that would n- normally traditionally be done in a, like a 45 minute or an hour doc, uh, documentary or program. Yeah, you and get, cons- yeah, like a 10 parter or something. And it's, yeah, I, I really like that. You get lo- lost in it. Yeah, that's true. You know, with documentaries, you can then talk about a subject with, you know, a, a modicum of, of authority with fiction. You know, you don't not necessarily learning anything, are you? Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a good way in, isn't it? I, I, there's loads of things that um, I, I don't know enough about. And yeah, it's a, it's a good start. Recently, or fairly recently, I watched a documentary series on the Vietnam War, and one about the assassination of uh, Bobby Kennedy. And yeah, it's just 
clear things I've been aware of or seen bits and pieces before, but yeah, I, I want I want the information and yeah, definitely. No one, yeah, ideally, I suppose you would sit down with uh, the, the books, but yeah, documentaries are a good way in. Yeah, um, have you seen the Oliver Stone documentary about the history of America? I haven't. It's called something like Hidden History of America or the Unwritten History of America or something. It's absolutely superb, and you can't help but be impressed even more impressed by oliver stone when you find out about more about his political leanings and you know the fact that he's been quite an activist in in america i suppose over the years not 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 least you know indirectly through his films but also you know more directly in public uh it's interesting you talk about the deluge of content that we have these days as well and i know that you came off social media recently and that is part of like moving towards curating the quality of your content more isn't it yeah, I was wasting a lot of time on it, basically, and so much I want to watch, so much I want to read and know about, and yeah, I was scrolling, 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 and getting outraged and annoyed, but still spending the time on it, so I decided to, first I said goodbye to Facebook, and I didn't miss it one bit, and then just yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Instagram went again. So I've never yeah, never been on Twitter. Mm. So I suppose the only thing I'd look at now is YouTube, but I'm quite specific in what I want to watch on that. I don't sort of get go down the rabbit hole and click on things. It's just like I want to see the NBA highlights or I want to see this you know animal rights video. So. Oh yeah, that's uh, different, quite different level altogether. I mean, you'll find both of those documentaries I suggested to you a minute ago on there as well. Yeah, YouTube's excellent, YouTube. But again, that's you curating your content. I know that it can be forced in front of your eyes by the various algorithms and adverts, but mm. generally, you're you're choosing what you go to. It's a good reference point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah finding it good, and I'm not. Yeah, it's not one. I'm I'm not signed in. I don't have my own page or. Yeah, so I use it as a, a watching tool rather than something like, this is my profile or come and watch yep. my channel. No uh, one not, would want that. No. <laughs> Rubbish, nonsense, I would. <laughs> You'd have at least one follower. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, Rotten Tomatoes, another excellent website, but I've stopped using that before I watch content now. Like I always used it to choose what I watched. And then I realised that... You know, sometimes I just want to watch stuff and make my own opinions about it because it can, you can so often have your decision, your opinion made up for you before you've even watched the show. Yeah, I hate that. I hate reviews in general. I'd like to read them after I've seen something. But yeah, I, even The Guardian, it will flash up like a film you want to see or a, or a series and it will look and you won't actually read the review, but it'll be like one star or five stars. And even though it's just one person's opinion, the bar you can't help but be affected by it because it, it sets that expectation mm. or bias in you before you watch it definitely I prefer to go into something open-minded and to experience it it yeah through my own eyes without um knowing too much information the same point described much more eloquently by you as usual <laughs> Uh, another thing, just before we move on from technology, Privacy Pro, we've got an app on our phones now called Privacy Pro, and it basically blocks all of that, you know, speaking about the Edward Snowden stuff and invasive app marketing and um, algorithms, uh, Privacy Pro is, a, is an app which blocks so much stuff from, um, from coming to your phone and to your computer. 
uh, it stops all the, that sort of algorithm cookie-based advertising, and um, it's really good. It's I've, I'm just going to open it up now and have a look. It says protection is on, activity. So, so far today, it's blocked 182 trackers. So that's sort of various. There's um, WhatsApp, Facebook, uh, Google Analytics, Twitter. These have all tried to access my IP address today to show me certain stuff they want me to see. And these, these have all been blocked. So that's 182 things. It stops you from going on certain websites as well. It's, um, it's really good. Yeah, that Edward Snowden book, I was obviously aware of it going on, but just to read it and get the human angle on it and and the, to know the extent of the surveillance that happens and that what is possible is an eye-opener. Yeah, and it's just got me thinking, could I do without my smartphone? Could wow. I just go back to a basic Nokia brick and mm. be happy with that? Mm. Because, yeah, I don't know if I want to be... You know, not that I've got anything particular to hide, I don't think, anyway. But, yeah, this fact that the smartphone is an extension of ourselves now. And, mm. yeah, I'm just finding that you've got to scan yourself in places and the information they need or want, like email address, phone number, address, card details. It's just, oh, my goodness. It's, it so is con- it's con- yeah, concerning to me, really. And, um yeah, I, I do appreciate technology, but I just wonder, if, yeah, could I keep my iPad at home and enjoy that? And while I'm out and about, just be present in the moment with a a basic Nokia or other <laughs> or other simple phone. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a really, really good point. Um, I'd like you to tell me a bit more about the Edward Snowden thing from your point of view, if you can, if you want to. Just say what struck you most about it. Like obviously, you're talking about practical ramifications there and the fact that it's reminded you how invasive all this technology is these days, how intrusive it is. But what, 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 what was it? What was the actual um, content? What was it called? Yeah, well, um, yeah, his book is called Permanent Record. And yeah, Edward Snowden was the whistleblower. Um, what, yeah, worked for the American government um, in the, yeah, in the, yeah, in the tech world, essentially. Um, uh, in in surveillance and security national security and in yeah in a basic word edward snowden grew up with the internet in its early days and he was, his dad was a technician and um both his parents were involved in, in government and like the armed forces and he grew up with a fascination for technology and sort of grew up with the internet really where it was mm. a, an exciting place for him he he never smoked, he never drank, he never did drugs, but his his thing was technology and exploring and hacking. Um, but yeah, it, not because he wanted to be naughty, but he had a curious mind and a, a brilliant mind, seemingly. But mm. he's somebody who's seen, he's sort of portrayed as a traitor to his country now, but yeah, I see him as a patriot really he wanted to be in the army after 9-11 he wanted to you know do his bit for his country that was his motivation he was initially working freelance but he decided to work for the government which meant less money and more responsibility but you know he was seen to me like a man of integrity but yeah this curious mind of his and as he starts to work for the for the government and um CIA, I guess he, yeah, he realizes some things weren't good, and it was the surveillance mm. of pretty much every citizen, whether they they've done anything wrong, and that's 
everything from every single internet search to every email to every phone message to Very. everything recorded uh without consumers knowledge basically without the knowledge of the public generally without anyone's that, without hmm. any knowledge or reason and just harvesting data basically big brother yeah um and he was against it. He, yeah, it was at odds as he, how he uh, saw the constitution or law or fairness. And this is a man. He had to risk such. He was in such a great position. He was working in Hawaii. Had a, a beautiful girlfriend. He was rich. He, you know, had a great job. But he risked it all because he just knew that, yeah, it wasn't right. That His conscience was going was on. Yeah, people didn't know about it. And so, yeah, he decided, yeah, decided to be a whistleblower. And yeah, and it reads, you get to know him as a character, about his life story, about where he got to, how he got to that position and what he was risking. So, yeah, it's that element of excitement. And once he he knew the information, it's how he's going to get it and share it with the world Mm. at great personal risk. So, yeah, it's an exciting read. It's, It's informative, but. Yeah, I'm not a tech person, but yeah, even to the, the layman, I, I could understand it, and yeah, understand what why he thought would risk everything and speak up against it. Yeah, you know, I suppose that's a great. All good books are accessible, you know, for the layman, as it were. You know, they're sort of difficult concepts broken down and made accessible. Yeah, and he was yeah one interesting book in the audiobook he said um, with the collection of data. By or having this audio book, they could pick up that you've got that, and that you'd be you could be of interest on that. And wow. if you reread certain chapters, you could be of interest. And if you slow the speed you read it, could you know all these things? Everything oh you do God. online creates sort of data, and mm. they're all building a constant profile of it. So it's yeah, it's it's a scary thought, and it makes me think now with track and trace, my experience of going into like town centre recently I haven't done it since the uh, coronavirus lockdown but I did it but everything had to be either contactless or with your smartphone mm. and so you could just piece together everything I did, yeah. did and Three the data steps. to give across yeah phone numbers email address address card number scanning in scanning out and I just thought wow <laughs> like, what a record of everything I, I've yeah I've done that mm. What and, a, uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, go on. So, yeah, and it just seemed... I, I know there's uh, mitigating circumstances because the track and trace and yeah. there's the convenience. But, yeah, of course, you just think, why do you need all this information mm. in every other way? And, and it's, it's a concern, having... isn't it? Because you think maybe after track and trace, because of coronavirus, it may they may just keep that technology anyway and just keep it going. Yeah, it's really hard to use money at the moment. And so we're in a group of people and some people just turned up without a smartphone, but just like 20 quid in their pocket. But they were they were not wow. welcome because they couldn't they couldn't scan in and they couldn't pay contact lists. So wow. it is problematic. Um, so even I, if you just had a normal phone, you'd have troubles. And like yeah. some places I know you can write your name and address back. But most of most places want you to scan in now. So. Mad. And yeah, the fact that he has been alienated by by the American government is so crazy. You know, it seems so hypocritical in a way because of the 
the fact that he is actually, you know, suppose you know, in many people's eyes, a hero because he's raising awareness about something which is really unhealthy, which seemingly unhealthy. I've I listened to a, do- a podcast with him recently, the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, he's been on there twice, and the latest one, he came across as somebody that isn't particularly withered by all of the pressure and the nightmare situation that he's been involved in. He he seemed quite balanced and quite you know relaxed about it. Where is he holed up now? He's in he's in Russia. And this, yeah, it's strange, and you might think in itself, oh, why has he ended up in Russia of, the, of all the places in the world? But that was America's doing because he was on a flight um, to go to Bolivia, a sort of neutral territory, and he um, had to stop over in Russia. And his, uh, the, uh, America cancelled his passport while he was in Russia, which essentially left him <laughs> stuck in Russia. But that was, um, that was their choice. Does it seem like there's going to be any resolution anytime soon? Will he ever be able to come back to America? Or is he outlawed for good now? Is there anything pending with it? They've been pretty harsh with him. And yeah, he knew this, that people who speak out against America aren't treated well or or not very forgiving. Hmm. Um, And so, yeah, even his book sales, they try to um, stop him getting paid for that because he's breached his contract and he's that in reality it seems they might have just created more publicity for the book but yeah they're, they're going after him and the the narrative that he's a traitor and he's put um, national security at risk risk but i don't think it doesn't seem like he has <laughs> from from what i've heard or what i've read i know admittedly i'm seeing it from his side but uh he was talking about american citizens and the data that's been kept on them when they haven't done anything wrong I think an example he uses, would you prefer somebody to walk around your house for an hour and look around or have access to your phone on your digital life? And most people would probably you know, rather somebody pokes around your house because mm. that is the you know, personal nature of what people keep on their phones. Like so true. You know, all their communications, picture of their families, you know, everything they do, almost their like, innermost thoughts in some ways. So mm. it, it's a big deal. And if you've done nothing wrong... What, you know, why are they keeping you know, this information on you? It's mad because you, what you've described as an arc with Edward Snowden's life. You said that he got into technology because it was so fascinating. And at the time, you know, 90s, I'm guessing that sort of time, it was like this whole movement of, you know, the digital age, the advent of digital age. It was so exciting. But as with so many movements, um, they they become more questionable. They become more complicated and less positive. And now we look at technology and we're, we're a lot of us are really, really scared of it. And, you know, Elon Musk is talking about within two or three years, he will have the neural link available which will actually implant a chip in your head and make you able to compute to process information to pull up information so much faster than normal human beings that it will be a massively unfair advantage so if you don't have it you're going to be at a massive disadvantage what do you think about that yeah i think it's terrifying Hmm. Do you think that ultimately we will have a symbiotic relationship with technology? Or do you just think it's going to be? Do you think they're going to end up? You know, we're going to end up running for cover from robots. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I, I think with tech, nobody the the biggest developments in tech don't that no one decides it, is there? Like the internet, it it, ha- it happens and it's introduced and it's and, uncontrollable, basically. Yeah, it's essentially, and I suppose like. 
I remember when digital, um, well, sorry, mobile phones first came out, and and not everyone had them. It was just like a small, a small amount of people had them, and they were heavy and expensive and unwieldy, and seemed to be a bit of a, a status symbol. But mm. yeah, I was surprised when somebody said, "No, one day everyone will have them," and I just thought, "No, it won't be me." And but yeah, sure enough, everyone has them. Same with smartphones; not everyone had them at first, and. Yeah, nobody wants to get left behind, do they? Yeah. And it, yeah, and will it be possible if people have this technology to yeah be without it? And how disadvantaged would you be if you're in a situation where you can't even catch a bus or go for a pint because you don't have the tech on you? What's it going to be like um, getting a job if you're not implanted? If you don't have the Neuralink, exactly. Um, yeah, it could become even more crucial to live a, a you know affluent life or be. It will be dependent on you being able to access this information for the Neuralink. And if you haven't got it, you're, as I said, a massive disadvantage for employment and stuff. Yeah, I think I'll give it a miss. I'll be here with my Nokia phone, uh, growing turnips in my garden and, and reading books. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You know, those big old phones you used to see, they were sort of like Porsches, weren't they? It was like, you you know, I may never have a Porsche. It's a luxury and I definitely don't need it. But maybe one day I'll have one. And now they're absolutely crucial to everybody um, in, the, in the modern world. Uh, I, you know, I'm glad that I lived pre-digital age as well. So I know what it was like, aren't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been growing up without that pressure of being uh, online and that most of my mistakes, I think, anyway, weren't recorded in some way or transmitted. (laughs) And you could just sort of, yeah, grow up in your own. Thank God for that. You'd be you'd be sort of um, chiseling rocks in, in Siberia. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, with Edward Snowden. Yeah, exactly. And at, at college, I did had no mobile phone. And if somebody wanted to contact me at college, or um, went to college, as you know... they just in, go to the pub. In the middle of... The, yeah, go to the bar, or there'd, <laughs> there'd be a telephone box outside, just, you know, outside the block, uh, halls of residence, and somebody would have to phone, and you just hope somebody was walking past at the time, answered the phone, and <laughs> knew who I was, and liked me well enough to go and find me in the halls of residence, or in the bar, or the library, which was a massive thing. And that's the only way people could contact you from the outside world, which was fantastic, because it gave me the space to have my college life without being pestered by the outside world. So good. But so today, you would be, everyone, you know, you wouldn't be, it's not like going away, because you'd be on Facebook, on Instagram, smartphone but do you think but do you think this is just an example contact you in a second yeah of course but do you think this is just an example of us getting old because this is what people do when they get old right they become less receptive to change do you think we're just we're just getting that sort of you know sort of um nostalgic feeling in our lives about what about the olden days or do you think it was actually better like that for that for growing up i think it's much better for yeah definitely because I feel exactly the same way to, as you. Like, I used to call my mate up on a landline and say, I'll meet you under the clock tower at midday or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And, like, if they weren't there, there was some great mystery. It was less, you know, speedy. It was less reliable. And you couldn't contact somebody once you were out of the house. But to me, that feels nicer for some reason. Yeah, and a bit like festivals, if you had nowhere contacting people. So if you lost somebody, that could be it. Not see them in four days. <laughs> so true. And we did that many times, didn't we? We did, yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it is a bit scary. What You did a juice cleanse recently. I'd like to find out about that because we didn't really talk about it. 
Yes. So I went to my sister's in Brighton and she had these amazing like bottles of juice and these little uh, vials of um, I don't know, shots as well, like juice shots. A particular and brand or just an independent supplier? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna look it up. Actually, um, I'm trying to think what it was called. But anyway, I made the mistake, and she said, "Love, you know, try one of these." And yeah, it was good. I mean, and I'm yeah into my juices. And I said, oh, she showed me it was like this cleanse she was supposed to be doing like for three days. So I said, "Oh yeah, that's. A, I'd like to do one of those." Massive mistake to say to my sister because. Uh, yeah, a couple of days later, when I'm yeah back home, huge box turns up on wow. the door, and it's uh, all these juices, like at great expense, a whole three day juice, and with these little shots as well. And yeah, we completely don't eat and just have your have your daily juices. Mm. And I think there's positives, negatives. Well, I had, I had a friend visiting at the time, and yes, yeah, so I was looking forward to be boozing and eating nice vegan food. <laughs> sudden like this uh got this juice cleanse to deal with do they have to be drunk within a certain time frame then were they all fresh yes. juice? Right, yeah yeah so mm. it's enough enough yeah bottles of juice to um completely f- fill the fridge and yeah you've got to do it imme- <laughs> yeah you've got to do it immediately so yeah straight into it Wow. Yeah, I had all this, and I just yeah. The previous day, I'd been shopping, and got all this lovely food as well, <laughs> which I couldn't wow. eat. So I had to do the juices, but it was yeah, it was amazing. And once I got into it, um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and yeah, and didn't miss the food, and yeah, felt really light and cleansed, and yeah, yeah, good energy. Yeah, I didn't have any ill effects from it. Hunger pangs at the time. Uh, you have enough of the juices, to be honest with you, so they, you're always filling up on liquid. So it's, mm. you're only ever a couple of hours away from your next juice. And, yeah, you, they send you a few tea bags as well, so you can have a nighttime tea and a, like a, you know, a morning tea as well, which is just like a herbal infusions. Mm. But I'm looking to... And yeah, I was looking at your old pods. I noticed you did a podcast on a three-day juice fast. It one of your just, early natural high. Yeah, it was a it was a three-day fast basically with just water. So there was no juice cleanse in there. Oh. And that, can, remind, can you just summarise how that was for you? Uh, it's about ketosis. So basically, what happens is when after a couple of days of fasting, um, I think it's sort of thirty-six to forty-eight hours. After thirty-six to forty-eight hours. You're, you go into ketosis. So instead of um, using sugar from food to for your energy, you use the fat in your body for the energy. That's where that's the ketosis. That's where it kicks in, and um, and you start yeah burning fat instead of just sugar in your from the food, and so it's good for losing weight. And also, it unhealthy cells in your body die after a certain time time of fasting and then when you start eating again new healthy cells are reborn and created in your body so yeah it's supposed to be really really good for you oh yeah that's uh that's but that's good. nil by yeah, mouth that one yeah so this was the one i did was from a company called prescription.co.uk okay uh press because it's yes you're having cold ah. press juices double yeah. s Yep, prescription.co.uk. And they do, yeah, they do different types of 
programs you can use, I guess, or cleanses. Mm. Um, and e yeah, each one tells you what it's good for. You know, this one's good for the colon. This one's good for the brain. This one's good for your skin. This one's good for your blood. Ah. And well, yeah, so, each, so sorry, each of the juices within the course is good for a certain part of your body, or you have to yeah, get a specific so course. They've got um, so yeah, so each. Um, each one will be given various symbols on it, so, um, and right. you can have different cleanses. So one would be like a detox. One would be for you know more focused on digestive um, cleanse, and yeah, or, or weight loss or something like that. But yeah, each one is like symbol uh, has different symbols on for what you you know which um, parts of the body this juice is going to target. Hmm. So I've done the three-day one, but I'm thinking of doing the five-day one. It's pretty expensive, but I th yeah, I think it's it's worth yeah, it's worth it. I mean, yeah, I suppose it's comparative to the price as well, you know, because I mean, you say pretty expensive, probably something like a hundred pounds, which is probably what you'd go and spend on a big night out anyway, or a, you know, takeaway and a, a few pints. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, it's a bit. Um, a bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Need to change my sales tact. No, uh, but yeah, I, I think if you, yeah, if you had a week on the piss, it would definitely be cheaper. How much to are we do talking? Juice cleanse. How much are we talking for the three day? So let's have a look. Three day. So a three day of the signature cleanse would be one hundred and eighty five pounds. Okay. And the other question I wanted to ask you is, uh, did you lose a lot of weight during that three days? I didn't weigh myself, but I just noticed, yeah, it's a lot more toned around the stomach area. Wow, in three days. Yeah, Just definitely. a lack of bloating, basically. Yes, yeah, I felt, yeah, felt lean and light and good. Okay, amazing. And then was there, were there any sort of longer-term benefits? Did you feel good? Do you think, you know, was it a sort of psychosomatic feeling afterwards or did you actually feel physically more energetic and vivacious and healthy? It was, where well, I suppose, circumstance. It wasn't ideal in the sense that uh, because I um, had a guest yeah. and I was looking forward to doing the boozing and the eating, so I finished the cleanse and I was like, great, I can get back on the booze and the eating again. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm planning on doing another um, occasional drunk um, time off the booze. Nice. So I thought I could do the the five day one and then yeah. go in, yeah, and then use it to start off like a, you know like maybe a six month period, and that would be a good yeah a good way in. Right, so rather than finishing it, then just getting back to bad old habits, um, finishing it, then using it as a springboard to, yeah, a little healthy, a little healthy period. Good on you. So you're enjoying the booze at the moment, are you? Yeah, I'm still Damn in you. holiday mode, really. As Damn you know, I, I'm in a mini retirement at the moment. And yeah, treating this Sabbatical. Time. A sabbatical, yeah. A little holiday, a little retirement. And yeah, I'm enjoying a few drinks. But, Beautiful, why not? Yeah, I'm look, yeah, looking forward to having a period of sobriety as well. And I, I'd like to do that over Christmas. So you get to sidestep all that nonsense. Wow. And yeah, it's good to go. You know, I've done it a few times, haven't I? And it's good to come into the new year, like, um, yeah, sharp and, uh, yeah, at your best. The not drinking itself gives you a clearer mind and you save money and whatever. But you do other things, you know what I mean, with your time because you're not drinking. You raise the bar in other ways, don't you find? 
Yeah, I found the periods of a bit like you, really. I'm not very good at um, being, (laughs) you know, showing self-control and, you know, being somebody who does things in moderation. So, Mm. yeah, it quite suits me to be, yeah, all or nothing and just, yeah, have that time away and, yeah, concentrate on other, other things. And, yeah, productivity definitely goes up. Just in yeah, in exercise, in in just other things like what you read, and just keeping on top of like everyday life, I suppose, and your own affairs. Yeah, totally. I have been booze free since September the seventh. It's now what's the date today? Labor Day was the last time I had a glass of a few glasses of vino, and it's October the sixteenth now, and I do feel great. And yeah, not only have I lost some weight, but also, yeah, doing the exercise, exactly what you just mentioned. I'm doing exercise every day now, really enjoying it, and just feeling stronger. I'm also, along the lines of the juice cleanse, I take Athletic Greens every day. Have you heard of it? No. Athletic Greens is a vegetarian, vegan, paleo, keto, mind-dash, low-carb sort of um, green juice. It's a powder, and it's got 75 active ingredients in it. And it just provides you with all the vitamins and minerals that you need every day. And the amazing thing about it is that because it gives you all of the vitamins and minerals that you need, you, you the, the cravings that you have for food just go through the floor. So I have to remind myself to eat basically each day because I have the athletic greens to start with. And normally after my normally in the morning, I'll have a, a shake. So I'll have a vegan protein powder walnuts chia seed spinach carrot and flax milk because the flax milk's got loads of omegas in it which you don't obviously you know as a if you have a plant-based diet then you you struggle for those omegas so you need to have supplement somewhere else Mm -hmm. and so i normally have that in the mornings but since i started the athletic greens like i forget to eat because it just you're just on this beautiful balanced uh, path every day it's absolutely amazing i would Again, it's not cheap. It's like $80, so like 70, 70 pounds a month. But I think it's amazing. I, I really, you know, a lot of the time when you do these supplements, you take these these supposedly life-altering things, you don't actually feel your life-altering. You know, the, you don't feel the difference. You're just healthy. Uh, but you do feel the difference with Athletic Greens because, yeah, as I said, you don't get those cravings and um, you feel good and focused throughout the day. Sounds good. Yeah, I used to be a big fan of the wheatgrass shots. Right, there's wheatgrass in there as well. So how mm. how would you take wheatgrass like every day? Yeah, I used to when I worked in London. I started doing it. I used to go to like a health food place and have a sh- like a wheatgrass special. So you'd have mm. wheatgrass and they'd have um, maybe some apple and like strawberry on the side. Maybe some other ingredients as well. Maybe some ginger. But yeah, like take it like a, a double shot as if you're doing you know as if you're in a bar, but like instead of alcohol and it is a healthy <laughs> shot but it really would give you like uh a, you know a massive surge of sort of energy and sort of you know wow this is a like literally like a natural high and yeah love the wheatgrass shots nice um i think it's safe to say that both of our dietary choices are primarily for ethical reasons our plant-based diets are primarily for ethical reasons but we also i think we both believe that there are real good gains to be had from a health perspective as well from from not eating meat, fish, dairy, etc. Like, you know, lower body fat, for example. I'm sure you can explain the benefits way more than me because you've done so much more of a deep dive. 
<laughs> we're going to get we're going to get bored of that term, aren't we? <laughs> but lower body fat, less risk of heart disease, you know, strokes, diabetes, that sort of thing. But I, but I also think that it's really important to be more methodical and careful when you have a plant based diet because there are certain a lot of supplements that you don't get naturally, right? Well, that's um, not the only thing you don't is uh, B12, which you can take as a supplement. Um, mm. But yeah, if you're eating a whole food plant based diet, you should have all everything you need but yeah i take some supplements as well just because I, th- I think it's it's hard to get exactly what you need um enough of what you need even if you are you know, eating a plant-based diet and and what i'm finding recently because uh, things have moved on so much with uh vegan food and plant-based food is now they're making un- like loads of vegan junk food available so now my local co-op and sainsbury's have what vegan sausage rolls right and so like it's yeah really easy to pick up a vegan sausage roll or something that's yeah obviously not a great health food but right con- yeah convenient yep uh so yeah it's still i i take like uh, B, uh b12 um iron and vitamin c mm-hmm. high dose vitamin c I was reading a BBC article, you know, one of my favourite sources, um, January 2020. It says the vegan diet is low in, or in some cases, entirely devoid of several important brain nutrients. In fact, there are several important brain nutrients that simply do not exist in plants or fungi, and many of them are likely to uh, are linked with cognitive health and cognitive function. So it's really important to be meticulous. And the ones that they list are the B12. It says later in life, the amount of B12 in a person's blood has been directly correlated with their IQ. In the elderly, one study found that the brains of those with lower B12 were six times more likely to be shrinking. Um, it says, uh, so, and also creatine, um, create, uh, yep. creatine, creatine yeah. carnosine, taurine, um, the omegas that you've already mentioned, iron, heme iron, and vitamin B12, vitamin D3, and vitamin B6. I've looked online and you can get, in fact, I once I read this article yesterday, I looked in my Athletic Greens to see what it didn't have in those. And I, I did a, a quick scurry around Amazon to buy some, some vegan creatine. You can get vegan creatine, which is called yep. uh, naked, naked creatine. And there's carnosine. Uh, there's, there's these supplements called Now Supplements, which are just everywhere on the internet. And um, they do quite a lot of vegan, vegan versions. The taurine, apparently that is, there's a lot of taurine in the human brain. And you can't get that from plants or fungi, so. You, they, but they do synthesize it—a vegan version—and you can get that on the internet as well. So all these things you can get, but I think it's important to to realise that you know, with with eating meat, if you go from a eating meat and fish diet to a, a vegetarian vegan diet, then you do need to just be, just clue, just research and and you know, educate yeah, yourself on the things. Yeah, I've said it before, but um, yeah, nutritionfacts.org, which is a free site, and it is, yeah, using research, peer, yeah, peer-reviewed research. It's from um, Dr. Michael Greger. It's a non-profit, but very good resource. It's got loads of video links and, yeah, give you a really good way of debunking sort of misleading information, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of that about, especially with veganism. So... I, yeah, always check that out. Mm. People love to hear good things about their bad habits, um, but I think everyone knows deep down if you're eating like whole foods, vegetables, 
and fruit and drinking water, then you're going to be a lot better health rather if you're eating um, animal products and secretions from animals. Um, yeah, and it, in my understanding, the only thing you are missing um, is, is B12. And the reason B12 originally comes from soil and and we don't get it anymore because we don't <laughs> root around in soil. Mm. So the only reason B12 is in animal products is because it is given in the feed of the animals. And then people eat the meat and get the B12. But you get B12 in plant-based milk, in cereals, and you can have it as a supplement. So the B12 thing is a big thing people use. And these other things I hear a lot now, especially with celebrity vegans who've gone vegan or gone plant-based and made a big deal about it. And then they're backtracking. I'm starting to eat fish again. I'm starting to do this because I had brain fog. A little bit of research and you can find you can get the things you need. And if you're missing in something, you can get a plant-based version of anything you need yeah. and take it and be fine. So rather than ditching the diet and all the good stuff, all the, uh, all the help it's doing, lowering your risk of being obese or getting type 2 diabetes or arthritis all the good qualities or heart disease um rather than throwing the plant-based or vegan diet away just do a bit of research and get the supplement you need i agree i agree but again i think research is key and i'm still finding out stuff all the time about um about potential you know potential gray areas in terms of things that I'm, my body might be missing and a lot of this stuff you know for the vegan vegetarian diet is says that it's cognitive health and cognitive function which can be affected by not having the right supplements. You know, the funny thing about... And this, this is convenient. I say for a lot of um, the meat and dairy industry are very powerful and yeah. they spend a lot of money in the media, on television, online, and everywhere you can think. And one of their big techniques is a bit like how the smoking industry used to work is by creating confusion. So on one day, people saying plant by whole food, plant based diet is healthy. And then you'll hear something else. Well, it could make you this or make you that. Mm. And so it creates an environment of confusion. And so people <laughs> don't not go. Maybe they don't go on nutrition facts, but they just take it for read what they've seen. And so they may be thinking of going plant based or vegan. And then they think, oh, well, I don't want to be I don't want to be missing out on this. But in reality, the yeah, all information is not the, not the same, is it? And um, it's creating this uh, confusion, uh, confusion that allows big industry to carry on uh, serving people and making huge amount of money from these unhealthy foods. Mm. So true. You know, like the other thing is, you know, we talk about the potential deficits and the, and the supplements that you need, which I am really, I really try to be as clued up as possible about those. And I do think you need to be more cautious. You need to be careful. You need to make sure if you're going to live a healthy life, then you're going to have all the stuff, the vitamins and minerals your body needs. But think about, you know, just because you eat meat or fish doesn't mean that you're necessarily leading a healthy lifestyle. I'm talking about what I'm talking about here is having all the supplements you need to have for your body and mind to be perfect. You know, like so many people who eat meat and fish don't adhere to general healthy lifestyles anyway. So it's not like if you eat meat or fish, you're, you're all straight away going to be like superhero fit and healthy. Well, the opposite, of course. We, we know that. You know that. I know that, don't we? And I, I like to think most people are starting to come to the realisation, apart from all the animal cruelty, uh, that it's not healthy to be eating animal flesh and the secretions of animal. It's, it's exactly the opposite. And all these disease that we, the Western diet encourages, like the heart disease, the obesity, 
arthritis this is all linked to diet Mm. and the western diet is is heavy on on meat and and uh, dairy and yeah it's it's, the outcomes aren't good especially if you think of america and the the health issues they have and you know the amount of medication people having to take and in reality a lot of these conditions could be eliminated or reversed with a you know plant-based diet absolutely Um, and we're lucky obviously we're in a privileged position i know that and we are we're fine-tuning aren't we so yeah (laughs) you know live and leave the vegan life or plant-based uh and then yeah you you still want to be on tip top and so if taking a supplement's going to help you in any way but yeah there's no comparison that like between the diets but yeah of course if you can tweak your yeah make those extra gains with a supplement then then go for it yeah definitely selenium and choline are other ones which are supposedly harder to find naturally in plant foods so i'm going to put it all on the page anyway on the web page that uh, for this podcast so that um and but you'll often in... see people will take that as you know and you hear it when i do the outreach work there'll be a new thing oh what about amino acids or what about this or what about that are you not getting enough protein and you hear it a lot mm. and but yeah the reality in in my belief if you're have eating a good whole food plus plant-based diet it should give you pretty much everything you need and the only thing you regularly need would be that um b12 Mm. But we both encourage further research, right? Because we're not doctors. It's funny I say we're not doctors because, you know, doctors don't actually study that much nutrition anyway, but we're not nutritionists. So we should always we should always tell people to to research as much as possible. Yeah, I know. I know you need to say that as a sort of caveat. But yeah, Disclaimer. it's true. Doc, doctors don't yeah, they don't have nutrition training. A lot don't. And I've got great admiration for the ones that do because they often have to do it in their own time. And at their own expense is to uh, study nutrition and, and get the facts out there because, yeah, it's easier to prescribe medication than it is to, you know, change someone's habits or their, you know, their eating culture or, or what they expect they can eat. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather be sort of. It says that the title of this BBC uh, article is "How a Vegan Diet Could Affect Your Intelligence." I'd rather be stupid and not killing animals personally. So, as I said at the start of this conversation, you know, I think the main thrust with both of us is the ethical thrust, you know, that we don't, it just crushes us to think of animals being mistreated through their lives, as so many millions are. Exactly, yeah, it's got to be about the animals. And even if somebody came to me today and said, there's been a new study, read the BBC, and like, you're going to be deficient, I would find a way around it. You know, once you've made the connection, there is no going back. And the good thing is that it's better for the environment and it's better for your health. But if it wasn't better for your health, if there was something I had to tweak, uh, I'd find a way of doing it. Exactly. And that's what what really annoys me about these high profile celebrities is they've got a platform. They've got great attention and praise for going plant based or going vegan. And they've benefited from that and they've used their platform for good and then they throw it under the bus because they've got a bit of brain fog and like why didn't you just do some research you're in a privileged position you could have found a way around that but instead you are you know you know letting letting the side down really and Mm. showing that you haven't made the connection uh with the animals or and you just doing it for your own personal 
personal gains. I find that really disappointing. I found some nice little factoids, which I may or may not have rolled out before, but apparently vegans spare the life of about 30 animals each year. Being vegan cuts your carbon footprint in half. Vegans live longer, according to the Mayo Clinic. You can live up to four years longer. The average vegan would live up to four years longer. Um, vegans save 1,100 gallons of water every day. That's pretty mental. Uh, vegans are less likely to die from heart disease. Vegans save 45 pounds of grain each day because in many countries, the majority of grain grown is, to fed, is fed to farm animals. In a world in which 795 million people don't have enough to eat, eating vegan takes a stand for the hungry. And finally, vegans are less likely to have a stroke. Yay! Tell me your brilliant story, which you touched upon the other day, about your vegan outreach. I'd like you to tell me about the vegan outreach and then tell me about the, the kid that you met. So, yeah, vegan, yeah, I do different types of vegan outreach, but this one was called the Earthlings Experience. So, yeah, we go out and show the film Earthlings um, on a big screen uh, speaker in like, a town centre um, and, yeah, hold up placards. But if people um, want to yeah, stop and speak, then we're open to that as well. But it mainly deals with that. Yeah, the impact of seeing these distressing images. We've talked about earthlings before, but it's showing like animal abuse from slaughterhouse to the pet trade to the fur trade to vivisection. To, so it, it breaks it down and, you know, gets to the, the truth of um, the extent of animal exploitation that a lot of people don't think about, I guess. Mm. Uh, and it, it's shocking and it's a documentary that's turned a lot of people vegan, you know, and it really helped me and my journey. Um, so it's getting that out, that visual out there, but also speaking to people. So you get to see different reactions on the streets. Uh, some people uh, are in horror. Some people will be they break down in tears. A lot of people actually, yeah, laugh and just find it funny. Um, so yeah, it's unpicking why are people reacting in a certain way, and and yeah. Is it worth? Sometimes you just hand a leaflet to them. Sometimes you leave them. But sometimes you, you can be open to, to conversations. So, that yeah, that is the general idea of this type of outreach. Mm. But yeah, so like the most recent one I did was last weekend, and so yeah, most of the time I was there. We were there for four hours. I would just let the, the images do the speaking. But yeah, a, a few times I put my placard down and went and went to speak to people when I, I, I saw opportunity. And I think the case you're talking about is, yeah, I saw this young lad. He must have been, I guess he could be 17 or 18, a young looking lad, but he came past and he was laughing at the images. Then he uh, walked off and then he came back and he was eating a hamburger very pointedly in front of the slaughterhouse footage. He was doing and it on purpose, you think? I felt like he was making um, a, a statement. And, As he was, yeah, you never being, told me he was laughing at the images before he went to get his burger. And I th yeah, I think he was being sort of provocative, but it's quite a common thing, the laughter. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the initial uh, impulse is to sort of challenge him, right? you know, but I, yeah, I didn't. Um, a fellow activist I was with didn't. But then I noticed he finished his burger then he went and gave a homeless uh, man like um, his change, mm. and I just—it made me think of him differently. I thought, <laughs> okay, so you, 
found the you know the animal cruelty may be funny you went and got your burger you made your point but you've amongst this little act of rebellion you've shown some kindness there some so humanity. i went up to him mm. so i went up to him i said oh, that's a really nice thing you've done there you know i saw you give that guy some money and it just opened the door then i could speak to him i said i just noticed that you were you know laughing at the footage you know what about it did you find funny and they, yeah, he just asked some questions. What this, what's all this about? And then I could speak to him. And he said, "You're not going to change anything." I said, uh, "Well, we might not, but we're having this conversation that maybe we wouldn't be having otherwise." Then I got speaking about his dog. He's had a staffy, and yeah, found a way in. And like by the end of the conversation, he was sort of looking up on his smartphone to to bookmark watching earthlings so and he said he'd check it out so it was just one of those interactions and, and maybe i don't know i don't know how he left feeling but there's a small chance he'll go and watch that documentary and and might have a different yeah a different viewpoint on it amazing beautiful what what are the things what what are the actionable changes that we can make like sort of moving forward you know what what in your mind I always spoke to you last week about you know my idea well what, what I think in terms of like you know getting certain books on the curric- school curriculum so that from an early age people aren't like you know horrified by some book which is all about veganism but it has some great points about you know the plant based diet and and cruelty to animals in it such as the Yuval Noah Harari books Homo Deus and Sapiens getting those on the school curriculum would be amazing and you know cl- classifying animals as sentient in more and more countries would also be a, a really good step forward what about you how do you see you know what, what are your ideals moving forward in terms of the next five years in terms of changes that can be made uh, education I think and giving people the option of delicious plant-based food you mm. know I worked in childcare until recently but yeah just being around children and them knowing what plant-based diet is what being a vegan is and just seeing some delicious food you know the kids I was around always responded very well they always wanted to know what I was eating they'd be excited to share my food and they really enjoyed like meat free monday that we did and the opportunities to yeah see what it was all about and it became because i was the only vegan there or most of the time uh, there's a couple of vegetarians as well it they started to see the food i was having as the exciting stuff and they wanted it because then they could see with their own eyes and when they were allowed to test it they could see actually this is the good stuff and when they were getting to do their menu choices, they started to want to have, you know, what I was having. Nice. Is there anything that's inspired you recently to that end in terms of your research, references, new people in your vegan um, community that you've uh, that you've liked the sound, the cut of their jib? Uh, no, not really. I really recommend people listen to our old podcast. <laughs> like, listen nice. To it there, but there's so much in there. A lot yeah. of the references would still be the same, especially yeah. if you're coming to it new or want, you know, to a hardcore vegan, I suppose. that Most people would be familiar with most of it. But there's a few documentaries I missed from last time. There's uh, Dominion from 2018, okay. which is an Australian film that has been sort of dubbed the New Earthlings. Uh, it's a difficult watch, but well worth it. And there's a whole movement that's the, um, grown around that movie. So I really recommend that. And there's an older one. Um, it's a Canadian film called The Ghosts in Our Machine, 
that um, yeah gives an insight of the animal's experience uh, in, wow. in our in our system. So yeah, the two movies I would say to check out is Dominion from 2018 and The Ghosts in Our Machine from 2013. What an evocative title, The Ghost in Our Machine. Yes, I'm haunted. I'm going to have to watch it. You know, my problem is that I'm so thin-skinned. I I I sort of yeah, I don't watch all of the references that you give me. I don't watch them all because I'm just they, I just feel they're going to stay with me. They're going to haunt me forever. But it's important because that's yeah. what I think. When people change, you know, when we had a little lively debate recently because that you did a podcast and you talked about being vegetarian and I said, mm. I thought you were vegan. Mm. And then it's, you know, language is important and terminology is important. And doesn't mean I think people need to be the perfect vegan and like you should be policed in any way or, and people should be able to call themselves what they want. But there's a huge... Yeah, there's a huge difference. And I was listening to podcasts today and it's just saying the amount of cruelty when um, it's a study they did to just try and acknowledge which is the uh, worst form of cruelty and and the most sustained and the most sustained is the egg industry. Yeah. And, you know, the big thing I've got the issue with, I find the most uh, upsetting and the most, um, well, outrageous really and the most unjust is the dairy industry and like how cows have go through the cycle of being raped uh have their child taken from them and just constantly abused in a cycle until they are slaughtered so yeah Jeez. that's why i make the de- you know definition between yeah between um veganism and, and vegetarian and, and how it's yeah how it's important mm. and, and um and how people yeah, I know some people don't like titles and certain um, some, certain terminology has baggage. Mm. But you also want to communicate, best communicate, you know, uh, what you stand for. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I describe myself as having a plant-based diet. Yeah. I just can't tally yeah. with, you know, the fact that I, you know, I'm going, I'm going to definitely going to transition from having non-vegan clothing. But at this point in time, I do like mostly wear probably non-vegan clothing and my dog eats meat and stuff like that so yeah i i, I don't want to yeah it's of... not about yeah it's not about being perfect and why i put myself through that footage is because yeah in, information is king and just hearing um while doing the earthlings experience the other day hearing mm. um the audio about the leather industry and what it entails because people often will think even if they know oh slaughter or don't like the idea of an animal being slaughtered in a slaughterhouse but they think certain things okay because they think it's okay because they don't know what levels of cruelty are involved. Yeah. Like the leather industry. Most people, a lot of people think leather, okay, the cow gets killed for their meat and then you use the, you know, their skin for leather and it's, you know, being effective in a way because you're using the whole animal and you've killed it, you might as well use its skin. But that's not the case. Leather used for clothing and for furniture is from a t- totally different type of cow most of which come from India. And yeah. Indian, in India, cows are supposed to be uh, a holy animal sacred, and to yeah. be sacred. And so the treatment <laughs> in India is appalling because they have to travel out of state to where they can be slaughtered legally under the most horrific uh, conditions. And if they survive it, if they're unlucky to survive it, and they use the awful techniques, they put like chili in their eyes or tobacco or break their tails tails, just to get them to their 
um, final point of death, and most often they're killed with a blunt blade. So it's not a clean kill. It's all being hacked to death. And the saddest thing for me and the most tragic thing, they're all watching it happen. So the cows wow. all know what's happening and they're witnessing the, their, you know, their fellow cows, some maybe family, being killed in the most horrific way for their leather. Right. And then there's a human cost to make turn that animal skin into leather is a you know, is tanning process, which is highly toxic. Poor people do it and they are killing themselves under the most awful working conditions to make this leather. So, you know, but and it's uncomfortable to watch this. But if you watch it, then you know it. And then you start to think, I don't need those leather shoes. I don't need that leather belt. Maybe I'll get rid of them. Right. Maybe I won't yeah. buy that one. And like, yeah, and we're lucky because you can buy perfect plant, you know, vegan versions of things. I'm looking down, I've got a, you know, vegan, you know, Adidas trainers and they, yeah. Nice. It's not like oh, you have to go around wearing. You're still cool. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you're right. Though, you're, skins yeah. or something. <laughs> yes, you, you don't have, yeah, you don't have to miss out. But by watching the, this uncomfortable stuff, you get to know about it. And like, then you're less likely to say, yeah, well, honey's okay. Or this is okay. Or because then you think all of it is animal exploitation. All of yeah. it's unacceptable. And if you're against one form, then be against it all. Yeah, well said. I couldn't, yeah, amazingly put. And, you know, as you said, there's there's so ways around that you don't have to have animal products in your life at all. My car has got vegan leather for the seats. You know, there are ways around all of this. Yes, yes. I totally, no. uh, yeah, I totally agree. And I'm just so lucky, actually. I, you may I'm preempt the answer, but if you say, who do you look up to? I look up to the, my friends and family who are all making these changes and, you know, standing up for the animals. And I'm really lucky because I know a lot of people, especially younger people, find it difficult. But I'm surrounded by, you know, kind and compassionate people. And thank goodness for that. Wow, it's so beautifully put and such a horrific tale that you're telling, but you've, you've described it so eloquently and I can't think of a better place to finish. Well, thank, thank you, for that. you, my friend. I just absolutely love that ramble. I mean, we could just do this effortlessly every week. <laughs> Whether anyone would listen. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <sighs> the natural high. Follow us on Twitter at Natural High Club or go straight to the website, thenaturalhighclub.com. And remember to subscribe to the Natural High podcast through whichever platform you're listening to get every new pod straight to your phone. <laughs>